Hello, this is Charles Wiz. Tony Silva. And we are Two Teachers Talking, a podcast where Tony and I get together and talk about what's happening in our classrooms, which are in Japan, where we're teaching English and other topics, and what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong, what we feel is succeeding, what we feel is not succeeding so well. And today we're going to be talking about final assessments ta- and tasks. How do we assess our students at the end of the semester? And we've got to really point out, we're not talking about how we grade or what numbers we give, but just what do we do with students to what activities or materials or anything else we do at the end of the semester or year to evaluate what have our students learned. Yeah, what goes, they, what goes into those grades? <laughs> yeah, what are those funny numbers that <laughs> kind of get spat out from by the computer and... <clears throat> But there is always that one section which is some kind of final assessment, right? some thing where we want the students to put together and show us what they've learned or what they know, something like that. Yeah, and, and it's, it's so many, so much weird stuff goes into like you know, yeah. In the end, you end up with this like number between zero and a hundred, but what goes into it can <laughs> vary so much. I mean, one teacher from you know one class to another, but go from teacher to teacher is just pretty mind-boggling what goes into those final numbers well what's mind-boggling is how i how mind-boggled i am with those numbers right but it's a great point that you know there's always this category in my spreadsheet and it's kind of can uh, goes under the umbrella of final assessment and i have different things that i do with students depending on the class and the type of class and also, what if I'm trying anything new? And I know you do a whole lot of things, also, Tony. But you have a couple of uh, stories, I think. Well, I did a couple of examples of you know just how uh, odd and off track I think teachers can get. Um, I know that uh, there's a, for for example, I mean, just talking. This is not you, by the way. Right? This is not me. <laughs> you have a friend. I have a friend. Yeah, and this is definitely not me. Um, and it just came up in discussion talking about, you know, what we do in grades, how we graded students and things. Well, uh, he So you're sitting she, around with some teachers. I'm sorry. You're sitting around with some teachers like at the lunchtime in the teacher's It was room. just one individual, right? Okay. So, so there was a little more candor, I guess. And he or she, I'm not going to say which, um, said that the way that um, the students' grades were decided were they had uh, three or four... You know, three or four chapters that are covered in the semester, and for at the end of each unit or chapter, uh, the students were uh, to memorize a dialogue, and they appeared in his office and recited the dialogue and or her office, yeah, yeah or her office, <laughs> and um, recited the dialogue, and either they did it or they didn't, and they did it, you know, very well or so so. So yeah, their grade was based on reciting three or four dialogues. And you're, that's going to be met with silence on my part. <laughs> because... and another one... <laughs> another oh, another one. Because one. one of the things I think we're going to talk about is, you know, validity. Uh, this is... Um, that really important concept, by the way. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, for some of us. Now, let's just toss, it, <laughs> let's just toss out validity and give the test, and I'm done. Where Which unfortunately this is a, happens a you know, lot. This is one of those um, coordinated programs that I used to work in. And <laughs> the um, everyone at the end of the, each semester, there was a, a common exam that uh, all the teachers of specific classes were, uh, you know, all the students took the same exam. And <laughs> uh, one year they changed the textbook so of course the content of what we we're teaching changed, but no, they did no, not no, change. No, no, they did no, not change no, the no, test. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of pointed out. I says, you know, I kind of have some reservation about you know. Wait, like, is this, is, this test wait. is really not testing what we've done in the class? And Corner says, well, I don't have that kind of reservation. <laughs> is that is that a real quote? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, as we say in the world of uh, two teachers talking podcast, that's a wrap. <laughs> wow, wow. Okay, so these are the extreme. Right. So, like, okay. okay. So, yeah, but I think the <clears throat> aside, yeah. I think one of the key things that 
really important for uh, teachers to to remember uh, gr- final grades, of course, but also the, the tasks themselves when you're trying to assess the student is like really be careful about what it is that you want to measure and what you are measuring. Make sure those are the same things. And you're really trying to figure out the best way to do that. You know, really, what, what's your product? What are you trying to get? And, and what's the best way to do it? And you've got a lot of things to juggle there, right? You've got logistics. I mean, how many students you've got. Yes, you've got, yes. Um, your own, you know, be frank. It's got to be doable. We've, we've all got heavy, heavy workloads. And we often don't have the luxury, for example, of, you know, making an audio recording of every, a student's production or a, a video of them doing a conversation. Time does not allow uh, when you've got classes of you know, 40 students, that's not going to work. It's just not going to work. And then trying to make it fair and then trying to, you know, even something as easy. I mean, something as easy as like trying to get the right level can be really difficult. And what if the content of, of the of, that you're looking for, you know, what are you what are you actually assessing? Is it something that you taught them? Is it something that they were to learn via an assignment that they were given and you know kind of be careful about how much what they what they bring to the class you know what they learned before what they already knew how much is that going to impact their performance on the instrument that you're using it's it's a tough thing it's a tough thing yeah sorry about the interruption yeah yeah yeah. yeah. i I already forgot what i was about (laughs) sorry but oh i remember in terms of it's not just if you have 40 students in a class Imagine if you were teaching 10 classes with 20 students to evaluate 200 students that way based on a videotape of conversations, of five-minute conversations. It's real easy to do the math. Right. And then there's that, that really good point. You know, there's so many, as he pointed out, Tony, there's so many different variables, things to do, things that are affecting. And the practical aspect is, is it doable? Mm. And not only is it doable for the students, is it doable in the limited amount of time we have on the last day? of a class or even in a test period and then for evaluating it and evaluating it fairly accurately and not spending an inordinate amount of time to assess that that and it doesn't practically work out cost benefit analysis there right. is really really important yeah and also the thing that is really key as you said is the validity is deciding what do you want to measure, what do you want to look at. And one of the things is that go back to your syllabus, and this is the area of a syllabus that always has to be thought through carefully, is the goals and objectives. Mm. Go back and ask yourself, what were your goals and objectives for the class? And if your final assessment is not measuring those goals and objectives, you might want to rethink it. And that's what I do as I look at you know the class I've taught, what are the goals and objectives? that I have in the syllabus. It's like one of the few times I actually do go back to the syllabus at the end of the year. And unless, of course, I have to write the new syllabus, but, and ask myself, these are my goals. This is what I wanted the students to learn now. Am I actually assessing that? The other thing I want to toss out is, and we might want to talk about this a little bit later, it's not just as a final assessment, but also it's a learning tool. Yeah, very for important. the students, right? That don't just make the right the ideal test. The ideal assessment instrument is not just an assessment instrument; it's actually a learning opportunity. Yeah, so, something something there in the in the in the task that pushes them beyond, one little step beyond exactly. what they were doing before, so that it gives them a chance to, to synthesize it somehow, exactly. put it together, and do something new in the, in the direction that you'd want them to go. Yeah, very exactly. very good point. Yeah, but that is just so hard to do. Oh yeah. <laughs> right yeah. in and to do it well and, and and also there's also the goal of like, how do i make this interesting mm. right because you know it's like the dreaded final assessment it's the final presentation or it's the final kind of test right where they have to perform or it's the final um interview one of the with, one of the talking about fun one of the things that yeah we're Often we're not in the position to do this, but way back when I was, um, when I was a coordinator and I kind of made it, and it was a small number of students, you know, like 100 or 200, um, where each class, you know, everyone kind of knew each other and the teachers knew each other. So when putting the test together and you have, like, for example, like little snippets of conversation or dialogues that they're supposed to 
do something with, you know, choose a correct word or phrase or whatever. The the characters in the conversations were students' names, and you kind of make the conversation funny given the students' names and things. Talking about making it fun and interesting, right? Mm. Um, we're not often in the position to do that, but it's a it's a nice little tweak, and yeah, it makes the test fun <laughs> as much as the test can it's be just, fun, right? But it's it's a, it's a it's it's an interesting thing that's never talked about. Mm. If you think about all the times that people talk about tests and assessments and validity and all the other things that go into consideration, it's like sometimes you just got to sit back and go, wait a second. If I could make this fun, I think I'd probably get a better picture, snapshot of my students' level or their ability or what they've learned. But it's really hard to make a fun test. And also, let's, let's face it, like, what's funny for me is just probably not going to be funny for anybody else. Yeah, I've had, I've had a little bit of success. One of the things that I do, and there's one more thing about the, um, um, the, the problems of, of assessment that I want to get back to. But the other thing that I've observed and I've had some success with is um, with conversation classes, and uh, regardless of class size, I've done this with smaller classes, I've done this with bigger classes, um, throughout the semester and as the final, which is, may or not carry more weight than the others, uh, these uh, small oral tests that I give students. So I'll pick students at random, and uh, four students usually, sometimes five if it's, if it's a really big class. And... Um, whether it's a high-level class, they'll ha they'll they have to choose one of the topics that we discuss. Whether it's you know, um, you know, peer pressure, abortion, you know, whatever it might be, or you know, at the at the other end, something very simple like um, the future. What are your what are your plans for spring vacation? What did you do summer vacation? Um, where they are you know given they know the topics, and you get four people together and just let them loose with free conversations. Um, the first time that they're confronted with that, they're a little bit freaked out because a lot of them, first-year students, haven't <laughs> had to speak English before, you know, in an unstructured way, in a actual, an actual English conversation. And here they are. And I've been really lucky. And sometimes even on that first time, when, the, when they finish, okay, the time, you know, a little timer goes off, okay, bing, five minutes is up. They, they, they actually say, that was fun. Because huh. they, they get they actually get into the conversation, and sometimes the conversations are really interesting and funny, right? Mm. It's like, um, especially because the first one is very often, you know, for example, introductions, appropriate questions, appropriate topics. So they're actually using that, but they're actually getting to know each other, and they're actually asking the questions, they're actually getting real answers. They're having a real conversation, and sometimes... It's pretty interesting <laughs> you know, that, you know, let's say, do you have a boyfriend? Yes, I do. And they go, they run with it. And the time is up and they go, oh, <laughs> that it's over. So, well, you guys can keep talking. You just go over there and talk. Right. That, that, okay, <laughs> test is over. I don't have to talk anymore. We an can't have that. I can't talk. Yeah, anymore. I've seen that so often where students seem to be really enjoying the conversation and they're really into it. And then, you know, something happens and they'll just stop. <laughs> because they think they've achieved the goal. Okay, that's and, interesting. And, and just before, and before we go on, because the other thing they want to say really kind of hits on this too. Because like, okay, we're talking about assessment. I'm using this oral test to assess them. Other thing that teachers really got to be careful with is, again, what are you measuring? Are you measuring their English ability, or are you how much of a factor in, in for example, this oral exam is their personality? Yeah, Some how much kids of this are just shy, right? Right. Yes, and they're shy in Japanese. Sure. Yeah, and yeah. you really gotta be careful with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the interesting research that was done a number of years ago that found out that the quiet student who doesn't speak up actually still acquires like a similar amount of language. Hmm. to other students if um, they're actually paying attention, hmm. right? I'd, some production might reward certain students in learning, hmm. right? And we have to remember it's just not a – there's just not one student out there. But while you were talking, Tony, actually, uh, it kind of popped this crazy idea into my head. I'm going to toss it out to you and see if this makes any sense to you. But what would have, what would happen if we put our – okay, let's take an oral communication class – and we put our students into groups, let's say. So there's uh, 25 students, 
and or let's give it an even number. There's a twenty-four. It doesn't matter. Twenty-five students, and you break them into groups of five, and that you, based on combination of different assessments, designate who is the weakest member of the group. And then you were to tell those students, listen, I'm only going to interview this one student from your group, and the grade they earn is going to be the grade for everybody else. I wonder, would that get the students to like coach each other and work really hard together? And See, I that's why I wanted you to do this because, yeah, you're, you you got these great ideas. Well, I don't know if that's great, but I see lots of problems with that, right? Mm. But I, I'm trying to think, what would happen, right, if you said, I'm going to use the weakest link so that you guys have to really work with this person and prepare them, mm. right? And, you know, sometimes, yeah, this the problem is I know that I get into, like, fairness issues and validity sure. and stuff, but, you know, I... I figure how, you know, God, that just would be interesting, wouldn't it? You know, would that force the group to really work together as a group and say, okay, we got to get together. We got to get you ready because the top student doesn't want to have a low grade. But what if you have a kid with a low grade who just doesn't care? I can see lots of problems with it. But I think a combination of different assessments obviously is like what's best. It's uh, in listening to to the idea and like you know of course in my head, in my head kind of juggling around different things. Um, what uh, an idea that that hits me is that isn't it odd that the assessment and actually the learning it's so hard to make that the same thing <laughs> to actually measure what they're learning because you know all kind of cool th- ways to do assessment but do they really measure what they have learned and for example what the the scenario that you're talking about that's like well what a great learning tool but why is it using it for assessment so problematic it's it should it shouldn't be that hard but it is yeah 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 well you know, then you get into that whole thing. I mean, the, the ideal way is actually is criterion-based teaching, right? You mm. say, this is what they have to learn. This is what they have to learn. This is what they have to learn. And you set it out. And this is what most coordinated programs do. Here's the problem. Here's the real problem for me. And every, I think, teacher has seen this where you get the kid who never talks, who mm-hmm. doesn't even like English. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the semester, the kid, even though they don't maybe communicate with really good syntax or grammar or whatever, is really answering the questions and really doing their best. And you can actually see that they're actually enjoying learning. Mm-hmm. How do I, how do I, you know, assess that? How do I say, whoa, basically in my, in my worldview, that's a massive success on that student's part, right? That they came in not liking English, not wanting to use English, and at the end... But she exhibited no evidence of understanding subordinate clauses. Um, I I do not either. (laughs) Not so much that, but just, you know, maybe, right, there's this, you know, there's no... They have trouble communicating clearly. Sure, sure, But you can see the person, like, for example, not giving up when there's... You know, that's one of the great signs, right, is that if somebody continues to try to communicate even though – and they know that their listener is not understanding, which is different from the, the student who's communicating and doesn't realize that their, their, their partner is not understanding. But, right, that's when we talk about, you know, you have to create some kind of assessment that takes that into account. Yeah. There has to be, oh, you know, is this person – have they achieved? Have they grown from where they started to where they ended? But of course, that's really hard in a class of 40. Can't even remember the names of students in a mm-hmm. class of 40. And then if you're teaching 10 classes with, you know, 20 to 40 students, I don't even want to get into remembering students' names. That's sometimes really hard. But yeah, is it a fair assessment? Is it valid? Um, is it interesting? But more, most importantly, again, is it is it moving them forward? Is it not just a test, but is it an actual learning opportunity? I think that's real key for me as mm. much as I can. And I tend to 
prefer I've well I'll I'll go on I'll run with this a little bit. Mm, but what go, go. I I tend to do in almost all my classes now because I found out it works pretty well are group presentations <clears throat> at the end of the semester, and that students um, give their group presentations to other groups. They don't get in front of the class. Yeah, and yeah, you, you you do this, and I think it's really interesting. Yeah, well, maybe part of talk, it, explain it in detail a little bit because I think it's useful for people. Okay, well, I don't know how much detail is, so guide me along with the questions here. Because basically, I'll take a class of 30 or whatever, give an X number, divide them into groups of, let's say, about three or four seems to be the ideal number. And for four people, for example, they're expected to give basically like about a 25-minute presentation, about six minutes per person in any combination of talking. And let's say, so group one, will present to group two, and then group two will present back to group one, and the whole classes are presenting to each other. And then they... So it's group to group. It's group to group. They don't and come in the, front the of the class. the group has like one one topic or one right. theme. And the topic usually is, and I found it kind of a good topic, is discuss a problem or issue faced by Japanese young people that needs to be addressed. Mm -hmm. Um, and that way, at least I feel that they're not talking about the best ramen st shops in yeah. you know, their neighborhood, which has come up before. Or Disney. Or how to enjoy a trip to Disneyland. Which, I'm not saying those couldn't be done well, mm. but there would be a tendency for it not to be done so well. But I'll give the topics, and then the groups go group to group, and then they evaluate the other group. I do not evaluate them. Um, I actually stay out of this whole process and they will hand the evaluation paper and there's a rubric for them where they have to give certain amount of points for example, uh, everyone spoke from notes and did not read. Um, people spoke clearly. The topic was clear and I understood from with, you know, from the beginning what the topic was about. Concrete details were used, for example. There's a whole list of these things. And the students then will grade the other group. And so every student receives a group grade. But each student is evaluating themselves. And they're also evaluating their other group members for participation. Did they do their amount of work? Were they prepared on the day of the presentation? And the other thing I want to add is that it's kind of takes time out of the class, but the presentations always take place over two days. Or there's, you know, consecutive classes, so, you know, 14th week and the 15th week. And what happens is that the students will be able to give usually at least two presentations on the first day. And they're getting feedback from students. And when the student, when the group gives the paper back to the group that they've listened to and evaluated, they have to explain why they gave this, the amount of points why they scored them this way. And then they get to do it again. And then I tell them, okay, you now have one week to improve your score by going back over and figuring out what to do to improve. And then they will have another two chances again. And that's the final assessment that I do. And it's a combination. So, and then what I do I don't want to even get into the grading aspect of this. Yeah, I was going to say, that's going to... Basically, what happens is... That's kind I of what scares to, me about this. Yeah, well, this is what happens is I tell them ahead of time, evaluate your um, fairly, be strict, do not be nice. Um, you have your rubric, and that I will basically take the average score and turn that into... That we become the median score for the class, and then I will curve it. It's not the most ideal situation, but I found out that, and the reason for it is, is when I would go up and listen to them, even as a non-evaluator, I could see that I was making them nervous, right? And I don't want them to be nervous. Mm. I mean, that's one of the things is, you know, that's another good point, right? Does the environment of the test or the assessment make the students nervous? Because I want my students performing the best they can. Yeah, what's the appropriate With level of stress? Zero. <laughs> no, maybe not. Maybe not. I, I think. I think. Think about yourself and your own performance in whatever. Uh, but um, a little bit of stress is a is is a good motivator. He, he, right. A little bit of stress is a good motivator. But I also know what I consider to be a little bit of stress <laughs> is an incredible amount of stress for somebody else. Yeah. That's right. like you know the student. I, I actually have students who, if I start talking to them, are really scared of me. 
right? You know that kind sure, of student. Sure, sure, sure. You know, sure, the, you the, know. The, the, the presence of the teacher, just even talking to them is a scary thing. So I'm just really trying to remove me as a stressor from the situation. I have other measures throughout the semester that I can measure the students. And if, you know, the numbers are not in tune, I can adjust, right? But that's what I do. And it requires students to kind of put everything together. They're required to use visual aids and charts and tables and things. And it tries to build on the Japanese group work concept. And I think that students in a group situation, when they know they're being evaluated together, tend to work harder than they might by themselves. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They can't let up. So that's one of the main things I do. And, you know, some, and then if the class is smaller, for example, in my American Studies class, which is just a class on American culture and history, the students present, because that's always a nice small class of like six, seven, eight students, then they present to everybody. And they pick out a topic that they really want to share that we have not covered in class. So they're doing a self-investigation, and that's a, kind of a different thing. But those tend to be students in our department more often, so... I know them, and they're not so nervous. Anyway, long explanation for what I do. Yeah, I, I like that. I, I said last year that I was going to try to be real hard and, and think that through and how I would do it myself. I, Of course, I ran out of time and didn't, but uh, maybe this year. <laughs> yeah, but here's the interesting thing I finally figured out. <laughs> you know how I said that there's um, a self-evaluation score and, and, and then the other members of the group evaluate mm -hmm. each other? Mm -hmm. I realized, wow, that's my participation score. I don't have to merge it all together. I used to always merge it together. Mm -hmm. And that the, the group score given by the other groups, and then I combined all the scores and then averaged them together. So the self-evaluation, the group, you know, other people evaluating the student. But I realized, oh, no, that's a participation score. So I'm going to pull those out this year mm. and put that into the participation score and then use the group overall group score as the final assessment score. And I realized, well, that's like been sitting in front of my face the whole time. But again, it's not a perfect instrument, and I'm not claiming I've answered the question. Mm. I no, no. It, I, I think... Um, even though I or uh, other people are not going to be able to, um, you know, duplicate step by step what you what you described, because for with a teacher's personality, that's a different class situation, yes. or whatever it might be. But um, that peer evaluation and the a couple of the different steps that you did, where the students are presenting to you know, small groups, presenting to other small groups, giving them a second chance on the second week to go, back, you know, to come back and do a better job at it. I think. All of that is, I think, like really good ideas that can be applied in all different kinds of ways. That's kind of why I want you to talk about it a little bit because yeah. there's a lot of good stuff in there. Yeah, I, I haven't made the connection, but it really makes sense for me to give a final test one week before the final test is due. And then say, this is going to be part of your final test grade, and then go through and give feedback to the students so they know how well they did and say, now you have a second chance. Mm -hmm. It actually, then it becomes... They actually get feedback on which questions they answered right or wrong, et cetera. So I'm thinking I'm going to try that next year, see how that works. Thanks. Mm. I yeah. wouldn't have thought of that without you, Tony. Mm. See, this podcast does have <laughs> value, at least to me. <laughs> right. It's But it's a dirty business, you know, in the sense that it's just messy. The numbers are messy, and it depends on the teacher. But also, this is a thing in a presentation class you know i think students have to take classes that presentations are part of the whole grade or it's actually that's what the class is designed for here's something i want to ask you tony how many people do you think are going to have to give a speech basically to 25 people in their lives if they're not going to become teachers or like politicians or presidents I'm not sure. Um, I don't have a lot of experience in the world of business, but, you know, think about sales and presentations and meetings that people might do. I don't know how often that's going to happen. See, I can imagine in their group having to present in a small group of like 10 people maybe. But I'm just wondering. I mean, it's a question I've asked a few times. It's like, you know, how many of our students are actually going to go off and actually ever give a speech to 25 people? And it's usually going to be st people who become teachers or, you know, pretty successful business people. Or they're going to be presenting at academic conferences. 
Yeah. Well, so, I'm thinking condo boards, neighborhood associations, PTA. Um, maybe you got a point there, but I, I, yeah, and, and I'm, I'm thinking that you know I'm kind of devil's advocate here, but I think possibly in the, in the defense of that presenting to the on entire class, um, it's argued maybe could be argued that those skills translate into you know speaking to smaller groups. Um, However, um, one Devil's of the things, advocates speaking the, but, to but, smaller groups, but the well, but the big the big thing. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know. <laughs> the 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 big thing I think the difference is right when you're talking about like one student presenting to like, a class. What a waste of time! Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> what a waste of time! Uh, you got you know forty people listening to this one kid is like oh jeez, forty be a people listening, way. forty people listening, yeah, well sleeping. I think a lot of them are sleeping, and it's it's just hard to listen. It's, to. Yeah, yeah. Wait, forty students giving three minute presentations <laughs> with one minute in between, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's but that's also the reason I started it was I realized my students were getting bored listening to oh, yeah. twenty five presentations for yeah. the last two days of class. Yeah, yeah. By the way, if you do that though, and if um, it's going to take two days, two different class sessions to have students present, it's do not assign students to present on the first day and then pre- present on the second day. I tell students that they're going to be randomly chosen in that mm. situation. So everybody's got to be ready to go on Everybody's got to be ready for the That's the only fair way to do that, mm-hmm. I think. Right? Because otherwise students get an extra week. But because everybody procrastinates, it really doesn't matter. Mm. <laughs> the students will do their write their presentations the night before. Yeah, yeah. So final assessments, um, ideally, are interesting, require the students to take that extra step, synthesize, integrate all the things that have been learned, right? Mm. And um, also reflect, I think, what you pointed out, reflect the the goals and objectives of the class from the very beginning. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So of course, you know, sometimes, as, as you and I both know, sometimes you just got to bail. <laughs> sometimes, you know, you're, you're like, for example, you're, you're writing the syllabus in November or December, and you walk into your class in April, and for whatever reason, you know, a level mismatch, personalities, whatever it's like, you, sometimes you just got to go right back to the, you know, syllabus be damned and go back to the blank slate and, and, and dream something else up because it's not going to happen. And it would be a real waste of the year just to sit there and hammer <laughs> this, this class to fit the syllabus that you designed, you know, without having met them. Because sometimes the, the differences can be pretty extreme. Yes. And as an aside to that, um, one of the schools I teach at asks, asks whether or not the teacher followed the syllabus. And of course, a lot of them the do in those evaluations. A lot yes, of them do. Yeah. And... Here's the problem is, number one, they need to ask the students, did you read the syllabus and understand it, which I always ask my students before I do the evaluation. I always say, how many of you read the syllabus to the class and remember it? (laughs) So, and the other thing is, but in those situations, let's assume the students have read the syllabus and you change the syllabus because you underestimated, let's say, their level. The student should actually say, did the teacher follow the syllabus? And no, the teacher threw the syllabus away, and the teacher gets a low score, is a little evaluated for that. I think that's interesting. That, And it's just another example of you know, how teacher evaluations cannot, are, are not... Uh, <laughs> uh, a topic uh, for another no, day. No, 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 no. Yes. It is a topic for today because that's kind of like the final assessment for us, for the school. But does any in a way? Do, do so they, anyway, but yeah, yeah it's another I mean, day, another day. On this yeah, can of worms. Are, does anybody look at those even? Well, I don't know. I mean, yeah, yeah topic okay. for another day. <laughs> okay, but let's look at it and tie it together for just a second. Mm. I think most educators, most teachers, who look at the standardized evaluation forms that the universities use would probably take issue with a lot of the questions that they're being assessed, right? For example, the I think, as you pointed it out, the spy question, mm. does the teacher start the class on time? Mm. 
And you pointed that out once, and I never realized it, Tony, but that's actually they're checking. They're using the assessment to see whether or not you're on time rather than time clocking the person in a way, right? But, and, yeah. But let's assume that we have issues. And then the teacher would say, this is not a fair assessment of what I did in the classroom. I wonder if our students are feeling the same way. That's how I would like to just tie it together, make mm. the jump, right? Maybe students kind of go, wait a second. I I studied this. I, you know, memorized this. I learned these words, these phrases. But I'm not being evaluated for that. That's not fair. I wonder how many students feel that. That's all. Yeah, I don't, I know. Because most of the time it's too late, right? I mean, they're long, they're long gone. But by the time they get your grade, the grade that you've given them, and how often do you talk to them again? Yeah. Well, one time... I've actually um, given the students, for example, it was a written test and they had to write some answers and things and it was a combination. And if I said, this will be a one hour test, you have to be finished. And then I said, you're going to mark your own papers. You're going to know what you got on the test before you leave the class today. That's another way to do it. But I've done, I've done that too. Yeah. And I don't know how much it's helped, but now I'm wondering um, if from next year, since it is the end of the semester and the new school year is going to start, is it, that I should have a questionnaire about the test and get student feedback. Do you think it was a fair test? Do you think it measured what you learned? You know, did you prepare for this? Did it ask you to, you know, force you to think about things to, you know, synthesize information? I think I'll do that. I mean, hmm. that would be part of the test. There will be like five questions or something that will ask students to respond to the, the assessment instrument. and get yeah, make favorite. for an interesting presentation, actually. Interesting know, somebody concept. must have done it by now. Mm -hmm. I can't believe I've, I've, ha I've had my own original idea. That would be a first. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it is a messy business, isn't it? Yeah, that's a really good word for it, messy. Yeah. And again, that's why teaching is an art. I mean, there's evidence. We have data. We have information. But it's, um, I go back and I think that in high school, I had a, a wonderful professor in this, or not professor, but teacher, but he was like a professor. He was great. It was a biology teacher. His name was Mr. Jensen. One of those great, fantastic teachers. And I just remember his tests would make us crazy. <laughs> he would talk the test out and you had to answer it. But he somehow was one of those people who had that incredible ability to ask questions that just required you to put everything together to answer the question properly. Hmm. And the correct answer was, you know, basically like two or three sentences, let's say, of information that he could actually measure. But I, I don't know how he did it. But he would really require you to think. And I just wish that there, you know, I don't know, is there, is there a resource out there for extremely creative, fun, interesting tests that <laughs> force students to integrate all their knowledge for oral communication one? I don't know. Google that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's mess. But here's a question. Do you think it's fair to allow our students to be able to Google something during a test? It depends on the test. I yeah. mean, yeah. I mean, it depends on the test. I mean, obviously, if you know, if if you if you're giving a vocabulary test, obviously not. <laughs> but if the you know, if it's a high, higher level class and you're asking them to uh, pull together the different ideas and come up with something original, uh, I don't see a problem. I mean, depends on you know, depends on what you're asking them to do. I can certainly see situations where it would be totally fine. Yeah. Well, here's, okay, this is, I'll take issue with it. Um, when I don't know a word, I go online. If I hear a word, I'll say, just a second, if, you know, the person in Japanese can't help me understand the Japanese word that I don't understand, you'd, you'd immediately go online or use a dictionary, Correct. Sure. That'd, that'd be a real life situation. So when we give a vocabulary test and we say, do you know the word? We're, we're asking students, you see, to, we're, we're testing or evaluating their memory. 
and the work. Did you do the work? Yes. That's what you're measuring. Right. So that's – be clear about that. Right. Like, for example, there's a great question on a listening test. If I give a listening test and it says, John and Paul and Tony and Charles went off on a vacation together and were driving cars, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Which of the following statements describes what they did? A, B, C, or D, right? Mm -hmm. That's testing listening ability, right? Right. But it's also testing memory, short-term memory again. Mm -hmm. You know, so just be clear. Some students are going to be gifted with a great memory. Yep. The other student might know all the words, might have studied for the test, but they can't keep all that information in their head. They can't juggle that information. So as we said, the test construct or in what you're testing for, you've got to always keep that in mind. Mm. And I think I'm so guilty of that, forgetting that every time I do the test making a test or an assessment. And that's, I think, maybe why the presentations are nice. Mm. They kind of remove that. The students have to prepare, but there's also a question-answer session. The students have to ask questions and answers and be able, or you can't ask questions and answers. You ask questions and they have to provide answers. But anything else you do kind of on the creative end or the innovative end or to deal with that Get, to try to get away from the traditional test if you're not required to give a traditional test. Well, let's see. Um, just a just a couple of fast comments to, to kind of hold that because yeah, I will I will get to that. Um, with the listening thing, there's a there's an easy way around, kind of an easy a little bit that lessens the effect of that. Um, when I construct listening tests, I will uh, have the listening, then I'll have the question, and then they'll get a second crack. And I encourage them to take notes. So it kind of, fine, you get you get the question, you can make your notes, you go back and you can listen to, for the answer to the specific question. You know what to listen for. Um, it's um, kind of interesting. Uh, one of the schools where I teach uh, as part of the, um, it's a oral communication class, but we have the responsibility of ad administering a listening test. <clears throat> that you have to are, decide? Well, the, this is this is the thing. <clears throat> the students required to cover certain units for any given test, and let's say, let's say four units. The test the students are tested on two. The coordinator provides a test for us. <clears throat> However, the test that um, we are given is basically what they have listened to in the in the in the lab for which they have a translation they have the english transcript and they have a japanese translation and my first year there i'd go back and look and looking at this and it's like well this isn't a listening test these kids are memorizing the script and the questions are the same content i mean they're, the the listening is the same content as that they've listened to in the lab they have the script they're just memorizing the script and they're answering the questions and there's no listening involved and so um, I do have the liberty of making my own test. So I do. And I make my own listening test. It's the same topic, same kind of vocabulary, but everything gets changed. Mm. You know, it, it's not a, it's not a, a bus, a tour, tourist bus announcement, um, you know, on, in the outback of Australia, but it's in the sand dunes of Indiana. And you know, the, the mileage. There are sand dunes the, the, in Indiana? What, I'm sorry? There are sand dunes in oh, Indiana? Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. I guess I passed that listening test. <laughs> <laughs> southern, southern tip of Lake Michigan. Oh. Quite big sand dunes, quite famous. Wow. Popular, popular summer summer. Um, I guess vacation I just proved spot. that I've never been to Indiana. Yeah, well. I think I've, I hitchhiked <laughs> through there once, but anyway. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, there's that. But in terms of the um, other interesting things that I might have done, um, as you know, I, I give students a lot of control, a lot of choice about what they do. And so with the reading writing classes, we asked about the Google and things. If the students are comfortable with just um, uh, you know reading comprehension. They get a reading that they've never seen before, uh, and it's not invoked. They, they have chosen not to be tested on vocabulary from class. Sure. Dictionaries, no problem. Phones, no problem. Google, no problem. Um, again, very realistic. And, you know, they get much harder readings, which they're going to need the dictionary. They're going to need to employ different skills, which we have done in, in class. Um, and other students 
other classes have chosen not to go that way, that they want to be tested about what we specifically what we do in class, the vocabulary. And for I gave a final exam last week that um, was one of the I didn't tell them that it was going to be. I, I just told them, so, you know, pay really attention to this unit. And their reading for the test was that unit. So uh, it was not something that they had that was a, a first viewing for them as something they had read before. Uh, and, you know, constructed the questions accordingly, a little more difficult and uh, a little bit more, as you talked about, um, the learning thing, pushing them in a different direction, uh, making them synthesize and think at a little bit higher level with reading that they've already done before. Yeah. And uh, the other thing with uh, just in general assessment, um, we talked about the oral presentations. And, I again, I give students a lot, as much leeway as possible. I also give them the option to do some other kind of project. And depending on the class, it might, I might allow written uh, projects. So, for example, this one class in the spring semester, I did allow them to choose written a written project. I decided not to do that in the second semester. It had to be oral. But it could be, for example, um, interviews, uh, which people did, um, either just audio or video, or a whole... A uh, different kind of video project, um, whether it's conversational, informational, you know, whatever they might want to do. It could be dramatic. Kids have done that. They've reenacted scenes from movies. Um, those kinds of things. And uh, you talk about, you know, things being fun. Um, the students who work on those, I mean, they they apparently from, watch, from watching their product um, really have a blast. And hmm. uh, some of the things are really very interesting. That's an interesting thing to do. Yeah, there was this uh, summer. A group of students did a reenactment of Cinderella, which was really, really creative. It was really fun. But then again, you know, oh, it's okay. I, I, now, I now it. we're I, getting you have to say, okay, what am I measuring? What am I assessing? Is, is, is am I assessing their their director directorial skills? You know, you really got to watch and say, okay, what are you doing here? What are you measuring? Yeah, yeah. And how does it? reflect what you've taught them and that's by itself is also pretty slippery you know yeah. if they're you know you're given this project and in terms of completing the project they've learned x y and z well we didn't, i didn't do that in the class but it was the assignment and the other kids are doing something else messy like you said yeah you know the problem and this is where i i i'm really guilty on this and when i see something like that i'm just seduced by it yeah, yeah, it's so seductive when the students are having fun. You know, you can see that they're really enjoying it, that they've done something really creative. But did, exactly, is it measuring what you want wanted in to measure? And you know, this brings up that whole question of is the assessment fair? Is it? really really fair and that's another can of worms don't you mm -hmm. think mm -hmm. but i like that that's that sounds by the way what did they do with cinderella i'm enticed what did they do that had you so thrilled oh the, the, the one scene where one of the kids that she um when she's turning into going to make the transition you get spinning around mm -hmm. like on camera and then the the camera does like a little funny thing, and then she's spinning around and she unspins and she's dressed in the other clothes so they did a great special effect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you see, it'd be really hard, like, not to, you know, to okay, that's to 20 discount points. that. Yeah, it's like, how, is that, how much is that, that, that great little spin there affecting the, the grade that I give for this project? Right, exactly. but on the other hand, how, how much does that represent the effort they put in? Mm. Right? And, how, and let's go back to the other thing I think you had mentioned before, uh, or we've talked about so much, is aren't we measuring a student's personality? To mm -hmm. some degree, right? The introvert versus the extrovert. I think the shy student, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe that was a shy student, let's say. And that this is the way the person can participate in this group project. Mm -hmm. This is the, to use the business term, this is the added value they bring. Is that, what's that worth? Right? What's it worth to say, wow, they were doing something in English and this person spent the time and said, wait, maybe my English is a little bit weak, but I can add to this project this way. Right, or the person who does the actual video editing, which you right. can imagine is like a whole lot of work. Yeah, well, um, even but, with yeah. modern technology, it's still a <clears throat> lot of work. But what? 
how do we Inc- yeah how does that impact the grade and and right and the only real answer to that is you have to give a wide ranging very um, varied there's a real nice phrase very varied <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like a Ben and Jerry's ice cream flavor doesn't it very varied but um, <laughs> or a disease yeah <laughs> <laughs> assessment that covers all the bases and then suddenly it's a huge thing to design it's a huge thing to administer and then you have to see whether or not it's fair again yes but that might be the only real answer is to you have to do a group presentation you have to do an individual presentation then there's a written test or there's another kind of assessment tool that measures how many words you learn do you know the structure did you learn the grammar or did you learn the content it's a yeah. It's a, that's where we get back to the whole messiness of it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's especially hard. It's especially hard in conversation classes, I think. Where extremely no, that, that, that that's question where of personality messes. in in a conversation class is, is a big nut to crack. It really is. It really is, and I know students who are just as we said, they're shy in their native language. But you know, let's take that out of the equation and. Again, you're given an oral communication class. Let's say it's with a reasonable level of students who have a reasonable command of English. They have the vocabulary. They know their basic structures. They're able to talk about topics within a, let's say, limited but reasonably competent way that would be um, understandable and would be engaging to a native speaker. How do you evaluate those kids in an oral conversation class? What are we supposed to measure? Because... Are you supposed to teach new vocabulary in that class? It goes back to goals and objectives. Are you supposed to provide students with opportunities to develop you know, fluency and proficiency with what they've already learned? It's a messy, messy thing. And yes. It's quiet on the other side. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, I can't disagree. <laughs> yes. Messy, messy, messy. It's messy. But content-based classes, I think, are, are easier. Much, much, much in terms, yeah. yeah, in terms of assessment. Oh, uh, of course, yeah, content. way easier. Yes, and there's other places where they say, you know what, we're just going to give a TOEFL test at the beginning and a TOEFL test at the end, and that's how you measure whether or not students have learned anything. And of course, that raises another. Well, topic. if that's what you're teaching, if you're teaching how to get higher yeah. scores on a TOEFL test, yeah. Then it's a great, a great. It's, it's, then <laughs> it's you perfect, have, yeah. Then your your test instrument is perfect, right? But um, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess maybe just like about to, we began with some wacko examples, um, and I'll add another wacko example. A um, uh, place where I teach um, reading and writing, and um, it's a. It's not exactly quite coordinated, but yeah, there's kind of there's certain restrictions and things. And the um, <laughs> the uh, school is encouraging again. This is one semester encouraging teachers to use textbooks because they feel that textbooks um, are uh, beneficial. That they 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 the evidence shows that they have students improve more. I'm going to get to this improve more a bit. But again, this is a one semester reading and writing class. Okay, it's like I've got these kids for 15 weeks. They test the kids in the 12th or the 13th week. So t- 10 weeks, realistically, how much am I going to improve your reading and your writing? But the, the kicker is um, the, <laughs> the test that they use is a gen- they think is a general English test. Mm-hmm. And it is... Um, uh, somewhat high tech for this type of thing. The kids are all put together, and uh, they have uh, they sit at um, you know in, in call rooms, uh, learning labs, and they put on the headphones, and they are listening, and they are asked a question, and then they have to answer, and the answers are recorded, and one of the options is I don't know, and <laughs> I had I had to. Uh, uh, monitor one of these tests once, and it was it was, it was quite funny because you have this whole room of kids saying, "I don't know, I don't know, I don't know," and since then it's become the "I don't know" test. But going back to the department, say, "Okay, you, 
me using a textbook is going to improve their listening ability on the, this, on the instrument that you're using to measure. It's like, you're not doing any, you're not testing anything that I'm doing in class. You're not talking about, you know, vocabulary from context. We're not talking about paragraph structure. We're not talking about us designing a solid thesis statement. We're not talking about a tense consistency. How are you Why are you evaluating my reading and writing class with a listening test? And then uh, saying that I'm not doing a good job. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Want to buy a bridge? <laughs> yeah, it's what, what amazes me in those. I mean, that's just, you know. Yeah, I think, and I'm not making it up. <laughs> that's the funny. I'm not making it up. You know, but I, I, I'm, I, I just wonder, only here? Does that occur only here? I hope not. I, hope. I mean, I hope so. I hope not. I hope so. I, <laughs> I don't know not. what I hope. I don't geez. want to hope that anymore, but I don't want to see that anymore. But right. Um, I mean, in that sense, the writing classes are the best. Yeah. In many yeah. ways, as evaluating a writing class is really a, a joy because I can do that. Yeah. And whenever I do that, Right. Um, you know, I, I, the students has an arbitrary number assigned to them so that I can keep track and they have to give me a portfolio. So I don't see their name. I don't know who I'm grading. And I have like their first writing sample in front of me while I'm actually evaluating the final writing sample, too, just so I can see how far they've gone, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. there's an improvement score there, too, as well. But, yeah, that's the joy of writing or teaching writing. I mean, it's the hardest work. Mm -hmm. By the way, it's a lot of work. Huh? I want to make a suggestion to all those people out there who pay us is that people should be paid more to teach a writing class. <laughs> you should. There should be like a plus alpha for that, don't you think? Mm, yeah, because yeah, it really is a lot it's of work. To, it's much. It's. I think they're twice as much work as a, a regular class. There's just no comparison. A writing class just requires so much more work, so much more preparation, so much more grading. And yeah, not only not only uh, the, you know, the extra payment, but also class size. You know, yeah, cut it down, please. Kind. Yes. Yeah. Well, you have a huge writing class, uh, don't you? Uh, you know, go get me started. Yeah. Oh, let's get you started, Tony. Come on. <laughs> start start you up. We'll rephrase the old Rolling Stone song. But yeah, on, on um, one day of the week, I have four large classes for which each class. Um, I am required to have the students do both oral presentations and written papers. Wow. And on that day, I teach 180 students. Yeah, and you know everyone's name, right? Uh, okay. And you remember exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, so, yeah, you know, end of the term, 180 papers. Right. There's only about 170 left, but... And you've been working a week on already. You got... Yeah. Oh, um, man. Yeah. yeah in, in, so, that, in that sense... Right. It it makes sense to use some kind of service that grades papers. Mm. Right. But it's hard. Yeah. Grading papers is, you know, setting up your rubrics, but also is difficult. But also don't reinvent the wheel. There's a lot of good stuff out there. But I want to do a, a quick aside here, a quick left turn or right turn or whatever, that um, one of the things I try to do with those final assessments, whether it's writing or any other topic is to always look at um, Bloom's taxonomy. Hmm, good. Right? You know, and say, you know, what is, and that's another way, you know, and for those people who, I'm most sure most people are familiar with this, but just in case, um, it's just a, um, basically a hierarchy of the kind of learning processes in which are deeper, which are, and are, which require more knowledge, more synthesis, more actually just more thinking. And it starts off with remembering, and then I think it goes to what is the next one? I think it's understanding. And then this is Bloom's digital that's been updated, but applying and then analyzing, evaluating. But at the top of the list is creating, right? And, you know, that's a good thing to look at when you're making the assessment instrument. I try to always look at that and say, uh-oh, I just made a... Uh, my test for this large conversation class is basically remembering and only understanding. I'm at the bottom. But it helps me to try to improve the test for the following year. Ideally, mm -hmm. it should be doing everything, right? The assessment instrument should be including all those. Yes. And the reality is some students might not be able to get all the way up to creating, but 
if I can figure out some way to give credit for remembering and understanding. Because the interesting thing, Tony, right, is that remembering to some degree is really a measure of effort. Don't you think? Effort and raw horsepower. Right. But mm. if it's within a certain limit, the student who does not remember as easily will have to put in more time. Right. But right. I mean, there's Fact very few, life. Right. right. There's very few students who like, you know, have photographic memories, mm. right. Who see something once or twice and then can remember it. But again, try to, well, I try to always make, you know, get my assessment, final assessments, at <clears> least <throat> up to the level of, you know, middle midpoint, you know, like, analyzing or somehow evaluating information mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. so but that's one suggestion but i never it's not the fun part of teaching making the assessments it's definitely not fun and it's even less fun marking them <laughs> right which you know which we're doing right <laughs> which we're doing right now which is why we're talking about this but okay anything else you would like to add on this I think that I think that's you know basically it. I think you know just kind of keep in mind that you know make sure that you're measuring what you think you're measuring. Um, we talked about like the syllabus. Another another way to do it, and we I think we talked about this when we were actually designing the syllabus, is to start with the end and work your way back. Yes, and then you will and, not be off. Yeah, and then think about that in terms of the same kind of thing with uh, with assessment, right? What's your final product? How to get there? Not how are you going to measure success or failure, whether it's right. you know theirs or your own? Yes, and um, if Go ahead. I'm sorry. But if you do decide to go that route, right, and you've, you know, I would strongly suggest, and this is what I always try to do, is I go through a pretty good explanation at the beginning of the semester as to the final project or final assessment so that students know this is what you're working towards. That's really key. I mean, because I think that's where a lot of teachers maybe make problems for themselves. That they, the students very often don't know what's going to be expected at the end. What's expected them and what they're supposed to do. Yeah, that that you've got. You, do, do not think that you're going into too much detail or repeating too many times, explaining what you expect of your students. Because I don't think most teachers do that. They they just don't do it enough. They and don't you make can't it clear repeat enough. it enough. Yeah. You can't repeat it enough because it's, they'll still, you, yeah, you, you'll say it four or five times each week in a row. And at the end of that, he'll still ask, the, you ask this question, which you just explained. Yeah. So I think what I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to make videos of mm -hmm. like a final presentation or samples. You know, so, provide helpful. Samples so helpful. And say, yeah. look, here's the first day at the end of the semester or the end of the year. This is what's going to, what you're going to get for your final assessment task. Look yep. at it. Yep. This is what's expected. This is what you're working for every time you learn something. But, you know, I'm also thinking that I, I probably need to create some mechanism for, like, note-taking and reward students for good notes. You know, that you have to submit mm. your class notes at the end of the semester. Yeah, yeah well, well kind of it kind of in that vein. The other thing, the other thing is to make sure that – make sure it's doable. <laughs> On both um, sides. On both sides. Doable for the students. They did, you know, they, actually the expectations are realistic. But also, you know, with with these tasks that you're doing and how you're going to grade them and how you're going to assess, make sure that you can. I mean, it's I mean, you're supposed to be you're doing a job. You're not it's not supposed to be you're not supposed to kill yourself. Don't really? ask yourself to do something impossible. Yeah, and and make it and I guess finally, maybe you talked you talked a lot about us today. Fair. Make sure that it's fair. Yes, yes, yes. So fair, doable. Um, reliable, mm. right? Um, and that it somehow make it fun if it's in, at least make it interesting. Yeah. And make sure that it is a learning experience for the students somehow. Mm. And then you've got it all covered. But again, these are all ideal things that I think kind of get eroded. That's the best word I can think of eroded away by doability. Mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. time and how much um, t time we have with the students and how much time we have to evaluate them. Okay, I think we got that topic covered, kind of. Uh, I'm not any... Ah, uh, ah. Uh, uh, no, I think I agree. No, ah, uh, uh, we're done. Ah, uh, we're done. And all the listeners are kind of going, ah, oh, they're done with that topic. It's not, <laughs> a, it's not a pleasant topic. No, it's not the especially most... now. Especially now when we're like immersed in it, right? <laughs> it's... Oh, it's it's terrible because 
when you're finally doing the grading, you realize that the grading and the assessment tools just weren't fair. Mm-hmm. You always get those students who, ah, oh, this kid did so much. They worked so hard. They really improved. But according to the way I'm assessing them, they're going to not pass. Mm-hmm. I hate that. I hate that. And one day we can talk about how we handle that. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. I think I'm going to go back. i got papers to mark. Yeah. Same here. Test score. And so, you can, yeah, we're on our way. I'm, yeah, I got my red pen out. <laughs> and uh, until the next time, um, twoteacherstalking.com and twoteacherstalking at gmail.com. And Skype, the same. There's a pattern and, here. Yeah. And so, thank you, Charles. And thank you, Tony.